Welcome to Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Simone Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in film, television, off-Broadway, and commercials. Every Monday, I'll bring you an incredible mentor in the entertainment industry, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. My goal is to encourage you to follow your dreams and give you a playbook on how to get there. Thanks for listening and let the episode begin. Happy Mentor Monday, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to our mentor this week, Michael Harrop, or Mike. Mike is a motion pictures and film consultant and producer currently. He is a co-executive producer on the Showtime series Billions. He was also the producer for A Mouthful of Air, written and directed by mentor Amy Koppelman. If you haven't checked out her episode, highly recommend listening to Season 3, Episode 2. He also executive produced Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List in 2015, which was a film directed by our Season 1 mentor, Kristen Hange. So we keep it all in the family here, guys. He talks about how he started and how he was first connected with actor and director Ed Burns, which he collaborated with on numerous films, as well as the TV show Public Morals. He has also served as a post-production supervisor for incredible projects and documentaries, including Blue Valentine, Trumbo, and Bill W. He has so much wisdom to share and breaks down his responsibilities as a producer or post-production supervisor, including his day-to-day activities on Billions, as well as films like A Mouthful of Air. Without further ado... Here's Michael Harrop. Well, welcome, Mike, to Mentors on the Mic. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So my first question that I always ask my guests is, what was your first role in entertainment? I moved to New York in the fall of 1999 and began working in post-production, at a post-production house called Goldcrest. Um, and I came as a, as a PA. I think in my first week, I cleaned all the windows and moved all the desks around. Oh, the life of a PA. Um, did you know what you wanted to do at that point? Or you just kind of were like, I know I want to be in the industry. I, I had gone to business school and didn't really like the, the culture of um, the school itself, the program, the professors or my classmates. So um, well, that's a lot not to like. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it, it became very simple that it was like, okay, well, I should finish this degree because I I had figured at this point, you know what, I'm I'm I've had enough school. I want to get out there and, and do it in the world, but I I'm gonna need a degree, I figured. Um, and then I wanted to get into, you know, some kind of fun business. Well, on that note, I mean I, I saw that you were from Canada. And so I was curious why, I mean, maybe it was different back then as to like how I mean, Canada right now is booming with with production. But I was curious why you didn't why you didn't stay in Canada to try to do this and why you decided to move to New York instead of L.A. I would say, you know, I had similar offers to work at an entry level position in both Vancouver. And, you know, I think it was more of a sense of adventure that I'd, I'd never worked. I'd never been to New York and I never really been to L.A. either. But New York seemed to be, you know, an exciting place and opportunity was, to be honest. 
Excellent. And did you find it, is it hard to come from Canada to start working? Like as an actor, it's different. I'm an actor. So as an actor, it's very difficult to just come to America and just be able to, to act without something like green card, et cetera, but in some visas, but is it different for if you're coming in to work on production? I was very lucky to have a family friend who was able to sponsor me for a visa. Oh, uh, amazing. And How that, good to know. Yes. Uh, and then that ultimately meant that after working for a few years, I was eligible to apply and I received a green card. And Excellent. That's how I continue to this day. Oh, it's good to know. Yeah, that helps a lot of people, I think, who are thinking like, yeah, I'd love to move to New York and like, what would the process be? So it gives light on that. Excellent. So you started off, you did your PA, you know, this PA job. What was next? How did you find your next gig, if you will? So I worked at the at Goldcrest for, yeah. you know, five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um and I sort of worked my way up and we were building the business. So we, we built a, an editorial business, mm. both for film and, and a little television, but also, you know, a lot of music videos, which were booming at the time. Yeah. And I made a couple, I produced a couple of music videos for, for friends and, and, and doing that sort of as a, something I would do on, on the side to try to, you know, continue to expand what I was doing to see if I liked that. and ultimately ed burns came to us with a little project i was gonna ask how you met him yeah so i i essentially i i volunteered to be the post supervisor on this little film looking for kitty Mm. um which is one of these one of the first you know before the micro budget movies it was sort of a micro budget movie and he had this was you know in the mid 2000s and it was another one of the indie film crashes where there was no money to to make movies. So he went back to his roots from Brothers McMullen and made it made a movie with a handful of friends for, you know, wow. people making a, a little scratch. And so I did the, you know, I, I sort of bluffed it. I didn't, I'd never really seen the workings of, you know, being a post-production supervisor, but I, I knew I wanted to be on the filmmaker side of things rather than the facility side of things. Mm. So I made that move and that really opened up doors, you know, having Eddie's name on on my resume, um, you know, instantly got me my next job, which then became a conversation. I was still on a visa at the time with Goldcrest and sort of, uh, you know, cheated a little bit until I could get a, a green card to to work, Fair. you know, fully independently. And and for looking for Kitty, uh, I think I saw Connie Britton's name attached too. That's yes. pretty cool. She's she's fantastic. She's, she's fantastic. A, so she's, good. Yeah. Really an incredible actor and a very nice person to, to have around. I, did, I didn't really get to know her yeah. well back then as I think I just did ADR with her one day, but mm. uh, yeah, she was lovely. Amazing. And so you continued working with Ed Burns. I was going to ask about that because I saw there was uh, aside from, aside from public morals, you were also working on newlyweds and nice guy, Johnny with him. So that was like a longer term relationship. Yeah. From that, I, you know, I continued as a post supervisor with him and then later as a, as a producer Mm -hmm. um, projects. And we did, we did a few other things. We did a couple charity jobs, a commercial gig. We tried another, we did three micro budget movies just before public morals. Um, Nice guy, Johnny newlyweds and the Fitzgerald family Christmas. And in doing that, that really, you know, launched me to be producing my own micro budget and and getting a little 
bigger movies there and, and public morals really gave me the experience billions which i continue on yes currently doing yeah absolutely so so back to micro budget what kind of budget is micro budget for those listening i mean it probably varies but just just out of curiosity yeah, i don't know what the what the definition yeah. would be but i, I would the range consider means. anything anything under two hundred thousand dollars or mm-hmm. or thereabouts um yeah. really like it, it comes down to you know, you don't actually have a crew. You have a group of friends who are, you know, good at some of the jobs, but then right. sort of piece it together and everybody, you know, has to be game to to be running around and doing something a little crazy. Right. Um, things that they might not be used to. And again, for the, uh, for the audience, post-production supervisor, what are some responsibilities that that entails? Really that entails, you know, being the line producer of post-production. Mm-hmm. So the editing... Getting, making sure that everything, all the resources are there and we've hired the right people and we get through the editing process. And then, you know, then, then it really becomes the post-production supervisor's job to make sure that the sound, the picture finishing, the visual effects, the music, that everything comes together and ultimately um, you're able to deliver it and, and manage, manage the budget and schedule. So I've heard time and time again that, and so when you said that, it reminded me of this, um, that like there's three different films when you're making something, right? There's the film that's just like the script. There's the initial sort of starting point. Then when you're filming it, you've created almost not an entirely new film, but it's another thing altogether, creating it on its feet. And then in editing and post-production, it really becomes almost like a third film because you can spin it many different ways. You can take that footage, create many things with it. And that third sort of stage is its own entire film do you feel that way oh yeah entirely and there's those words that you use in the script that you know everybody signs off on the project with right and that's what everybody really signs on on to do that and then you know the the actors with in concert with the director they come in and have different interpretations of it that's you know that's a really great and exciting thing that you get to see on set every day is is the, the different interpretations and have conversations about people's perspectives because it seems like it's very black and white that it is right. this one on the page. Then you get there and you have different creative people thinking of the characters and the relationships and the conflicts in, in different ways. And so that's something I really enjoy on set every day is talking about these different interpretations and figuring out which ones are the best ones and which ones tell the story. Cool. Good to know. And so as a producer for this, for these films, are you responsible for going out and getting, I think this is something people always ask. And there, I think there are two different kinds of producers, but I could be wrong. You let me know, but there's the ones that are contribute. They're the investors. They also sometimes have a producer credit. They actually contribute their own money. And then there's people who obviously are working day to day and kind of in it. And then sometimes also find those investors, find that money. Can you tell us the difference between those producers, what you do in comparison in the, in the sort of, realm of producing and you know there's a lot of different producing and yeah you know, the larger the project the more producers you have as you need people with more specialized skills and bring different things to the table so you know raising the money is part of a producer's job and if you're an investor you know you may get an executive producer credit for bringing a big chunk of that money because you you did that part of the producing job mm. And then there's the producing element that's more like production management, where right. 
taking care of spending the money and making sure that things happen and you know the resources are there for everyone to execute their their jobs on set every day and and later in in post-production and then there's you know producers that work with writers and directors and actors to develop things Mm. in a you know in a a more creative manner and to bring their relationships with with talent and with distribution and there's a lot of different roles that producers do and you know, it's a negotiation with every project as to, you know, who will the producers be and what will the roles be and how do you share credit? Amazing. Thank you for that. And so typically what would your roles and responsibilities be on films or does it vary? It varies and it depends yeah. on the project and where the project originated. Um, for the smaller films, the, the last film I did called A Mouthful of Air with Amy Koppelman. Yes. Um, we produced that together in that, you know, Amy had a book and we developed that book into a screenplay over four or five years. Yeah. And for the last year and a half or so before we went to make it, Amanda Seifert came on and said that she wanted to play the lead. She came on and, and developed the screenplay with, with Amy and really became a partner of ours. Yeah. You know, it, it was it wasn't a micro budget film it was two and a half million dollars but mm-hmm. came in was really like a producing partner with with the two of us not like she was a producing partner with the two of us and she you know obviously she brought her own talent to the screen but she also brought a lot of her friends who were great yeah. ca- cast editions for us you know helped develop that character and you know really took seriously being you know number one on the call sheet being a leader and and showing up every day in a bright mood, tired, but happy, you yeah. know, like it's a hard job. Yeah. Um, so that leadership, you know, when, when number one comes every day, ready to go, pushes everybody else to be prepared. And so that, that was a great help. So, but Amy and I went and, and stomped around and, and Maven Pictures elected to, you know, put the money behind the film, which was a great help. I had a, a, a great line producer, David Newhouse, who I've worked with a few times, you know, for me there, it was, a very broad I was there every every day on work call and until rap sometimes well before it was it was a lot of fun and I you know I worked with Amy to you know her first time directing to make sure that she was able to see the forest for the trees the first time going through it it's yeah it's hard everything's a every moment can seem and then you know on billions which is I actually went from from wrapping a mouthful of air to a text scout the next or oh my God. next day and then oh wow back in time for the rap party that was a fun day but on billions my job is to represent the the writers on on set mm. with the script and make sure that you know we're working with the director dp and the ad and the cast members to to make sure that we are you know getting the best interpretation of of the script including right. new ideas but also being, you know, very loyal to what uh, the intention of of the script is. That's a much more narrowly defined role. It's you know a much bigger show, so that's like that's still for me like a very, you know, dominating job. In, yeah. In, as far as my life goes, but you know, it's it's a lot of fun to do that every day, and it's sort of like the pandemic has had its you know silver linings in that when we were shut down for months at a time, I really. Uh, Got to appreciate that I my job is really about making sure the uh, the make believe is good. 
Yeah. I mean, I see both. I mean, there's definitely differences, but you know, with obviously, for example, like you said, with a mouthful of air, you're also in development. You're also working with her even before Amanda got signed on, which I, I had that question as well. And then in comparison with, but both with billions and a mouthful of air, you're, you're there every day. You're there yeah. on set, you know, making sure everything is run, you know, well. Um, and I imagine, does that happen a lot with your, the films that you're attached to the micro budget films? Are you there every day? Are you also there for the development? Are you also there to, to raise financing and make sure there are producers that, you know, can come on board and finance the film? Is it different? Like you said, for everyone? Yes, it's, it's different for everyone on some of them. I was part of development and raising the money, you know, ultimately delivering it a big part of being a producer is being responsible saying that yes, you know, we're presenting this package. We will execute this to the best of our ability. And we think that it's a viable product if we do that. For for others, Eddie works with his producing partner, Aaron Lubin, on, you know, the developing of their Mm. projects. So that for me was, I took on more of a line producer role, those micro budgets, which also, you know, included holding the boom a lot of the days and nice doing filling in when you can't filling in where you have to yeah picking up the actors there's a lot of different things and those little those little ones that are that are funny and sometimes it's you know sometimes it's Eddie holding the boom yeah you know (laughs) if if we don't have we don't have the whomever it was meant to be on on that given day and so that 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 was a lot of fun a bunch of grown-up kids running around trying to make a movie with you know, a little handheld camera and, and a, a silly boom. I love it. Um, and sometimes there were three of us there. Wow. Um, we did one scene at, at Bobby's Eddie acting with Carrie Bechet, and he was literally acting and holding the camera. <laughs> and then it turned around on his side and Carrie was holding the camera and, oh. acting, and I was, and I was booming. That's so know? funny. And oh, that, that's when, you know, it's micro budget. If, uh, you really have yeah. to have the actors act and hold the camera at the same time and direct. We always had them slate for themselves. That, oh. that, that just, you know, they, they enjoyed doing a little clapper. There Sometimes is something, by hand. There is something about doing your own clapper that like is very satisfying to an actor. So I can, I can understand that. How do you decide to take on a project? I mean, you've been doing billions since 2016. There is that consistency, that stability, how do you decide to go, okay, I'm going to take on this other project. And especially with these type of projects you're taking on, they're very, you know, um, they, they, you know, they, they take on a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, time away from everything. And you already have such a huge project you're working on as well. So I'm sure you're, you know, have to be very picky as to what you take on. Are there any sort of defining factors, anything that you decide, you know, that makes you decide on a particular project? You know, when I was first working as a freelance post-production supervisor and having that, you know, uncertainty of working freelance, I I used to take jobs for, it had to have one of three things for me. It had to be like a really interesting project, Mm -hmm. had to be really interesting people, or it had to pay good money. Mm -hmm. And so if it didn't have any of those things, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it on. Yeah. And that just seemed seemed to me to be, you know, the base level of like, let's just not get stuck working for work's sake. And then, you know, as, as time went on, it, it was like, oh, I think I've, I've got an offer here that has two of those things. Like, mm. I'd love to do that. Billions has been, has been one of the, you know, it's, it's got all three. It's, all been, three. it's been really, it's been really great. But, you know, I, I didn't, 
I didn't take it on with this, this grand plan. I'd work with the creators and showrunners, Brian Koppelman, David Levine before I did post mm-hmm. on their um, movie Solitary Man that they directed. Okay. Oh. And they wanted and is me that to how do... you were introduced to Amy through Brian? Yes. Yes. Through, through Brian. Um, I invited them to the newlyweds premiere mm-hmm. and Brian and David came back to me a few weeks later this was after we'd done Solitary Man and said, you know, we've got this movie of Amy's that we've I been trying back. to get made. I smile back. Yes. Yeah, so we've been trying to get made for, you know, a few years for a couple million dollars, but there's no, no takers here. Give it a read and see if you can do it for $35,000. Like, and I was like, well, that was exceptional. You know, Eddie owned the cameras and, but let me, right. let me have a look. Maybe there's something, something else we could do here. And so, you know, that one, I just, I really, I love the project. I love, mm. I love the, the script, and I really enjoyed working with Brian and David before. And I, you know, then I started to get to know Amy a little bit as as we went to do it, and and that took a year and a half or so to to mm. raise the money for, maybe more. Before or after Sarah was attached to it, Sarah Silverman. It was before Sarah was attached, okay. and then Amy sort of came with this crazy idea of, let's That's, get Sarah Silverman yeah. to do it. And I'm like, no, I. I, I like that idea. That, yeah. that, that sounds good. So that that's how that project came about. And then Billions came about because, you know, Brian and David got this pilot to do and and said, that, hey, we'd really like you to do post. Mm. And I was like, well, we're just bringing I Smile Back to Sundance and we're still in production public morals. I don't think I can dedicate enough time to get this done. Mm. And, you know, very flatteringly, they hounded me about it and wouldn't wouldn't accept no and said like listen we just want to deal with you you can hire whoever you want to do whatever job you want we just want to talk to you when we have to talk to somebody wow and so thankfully I did take that gig yeah um, to be the post producer on on billions because that you know that's been a good six-year ride here seven years now so that that was fun so you know I think your long and winding answer to how do you pick the projects yeah I think that it comes in different, in different ways. And I try to just do things that really, you know, appeal to me and, mm. and with people who I want to work with. And I've been lucky that the money has sort of followed as I've done more passion projects. You know, that's going to be that. I, I don't know that what the fates would be if, you know, I'd made a different decision there or, or at different points in my life, but I've, I've always tried to do in different interesting projects be it film or television or a music video uh, i've worked on a few documentaries that have been really yep. interesting and and you know uh interests outside of the uh the entertainment business oh i have so many questions so then how would people find and pitch you or what if someone was pitching you for instance a project what are some things that need to stand out it's interesting because you said the three things which um actor we had uh actor and director tony goldwin on the podcast so from scandal and a bunch of other movies yeah and he said the same thing so his three criteria that he looks for in choosing a film is the role something you know amazing that he feels like he could bring a lot to are the people amazing that you know people that he wants to work with and is the money good and he says the same thing two out of the three is required to uh, decide on a project these days. That's very funny. It is very funny. So I've never, I, I mean, I've never heard of that from anyone hey, before. I'm, I'm flattered that I've. Great you know, minds. Lonely, uh, yeah. 
great mind. No, it's amazing. Or maybe he, he heard it from you. Who knows? Hi, I'm Eric LaPointe. And if you are enjoying Mentors on the Mic, be sure to subscribe, comment, and share with others. And meanwhile, you might also enjoy my podcast, Global Vid, where I explore the business of original productions and its international potential. Every two weeks, we interview TV industry execs who coach us on how they have expanded beyond their domestic borders. Check out the Global Vid, that's V-I-D, podcast on your favorite app so that we can learn from each other and the experts within our field. But either way, so that is so that is how you kind of go across deciding on a project. Anything else in terms of filmmakers who are looking to get a producer attached or get someone to, to take a chance on them? Anything that comes to mind as advice for, for people to, to, you know, to find the right people? For me, I, I find the, the most interesting thing come from people who come by it honestly and humbly and, you know, are, are passionate about it. They have, they have something to say mm. and uh, they have an interesting way to, to say it. I, th- I think like being as professional, this is a very difficult question, by the I'm way, sure, yeah. to be, to be professional and, and realistic and, but still have that, you know, that, that wonderment and, and the idea that you can achieve something difficult. It's, it's a balance. And, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to go in and pitch something and, and yeah. be able to, to convey that. But I think to have been rigorous in your, preparation and and honest with yourself of you know like is this realistic is this achievable but still to push yourself to try to do something very hard this is very hard like it is you should be nervous the morning uh the morning of the night before if you if you sleep a good night's sleep the night before your first day of production then you know you're in the wrong business something's wrong um Amazing. And then on the flip side, because you've also been on the pitching side where you're pitching people like Maven or, you know, even, even Amanda, right. At some point or whoever you're pitching people to be a part of your production, right. To climb on board, any tips on that end for people who want to pitch their projects to either big name talent or production companies. I mean, cause I know it wasn't an easy road, even with Amanda attached to a mouthful of air. No, it, it did. It did take quite some time, and, and yeah. again, Maven was was brave enough. But I guess it's similar to what I to what I said. What my advice would be is that I try to be pretty straightforward about you know what it is we're trying to do, and be passionate about why it's an important film in particular is important and important to me, and what kind of audience there is out there. And then you mm-hmm. know, here's the challenge of Amanda has proven herself time and again since to be an incredible actor but you know when we first went out with it she hadn't had that big creative breakthrough that way it was this is a chance to give Amanda uh, you know an award-winning role here and for her to introduce herself that way Mm -hmm. before we were we released she'd been recognized and rightfully so but you know we took that leap of faith with her and she took that leap of faith with us and it was it was a really difficult film to make. We had babies crying on set just about the whole time. Oh Um, gosh. I don't know how you do that. (laughs) You know, that, that really like triggers something 
visceral in you, you know, you're, you're trained not to let babies cry, but babies cry. And they just did it all the time. And were there a lot of you know, twins that, that on just, set as a result, you know, cause you have to write, it's, it's still the case, right? You have to have twins. I, I've worked with uh, a baby on a film, Winter's Tale. And I remember that, you know, one would cry and they'd be like, okay, let's bring the other one out. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, where do they put these yeah, babies? I mean, they're lazy. They don't remember their lines. <laughs> They, you know, they don't take direction well. They don't. They're cranky. They don't cry on cue. We had, I think we had 34 different babies working. Because oh we had different time periods for two different children. Oh, my God. And doubles. And then, you know, babies oh would, babies calling sick all the time. You know, really unreliable things. Would you, that would, you would you keep of, that in mind for the next film? If the next film has babies, are you going to be a little more reluctant to take on knowing? I don't knowing think I'll ever do it again. There we go. That's <laughs> strong opinions. It makes sense. There was, we had a, a baby on, on set on, on billions and it was a, it was a newborn. It was, you know, wow. I don't remember how old they have to be before they can actually Start come working. on set. But, yeah. Um. But, you know, everybody was so quiet and just holding our breath that this baby would, oh. and it did great. Oh, good. And I was just like, oh, that's, that's so much better. <laughs> but yeah, no, that it was an unreasonable amount of babies that we have and an unreasonable demand of those babies, <laughs> all above board, all, you know, legal and everything. But it just, I know it, it made it too much of a, too much of a focus of the day. It was, we got through it. It was, it was very difficult. I really want to put that quote somewhere. We had an unreasonable amount of babies on that set. <laughs> so good. I'm not sure what a reasonable amount was, but. Th- but it was, was definitely bad. higher. Substantially higher than was reasonable. I have to ask you, and we just spoke about it very briefly at the beginning of this, but um, I have to ask you about Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List because it was directed by another mentor on the podcast, Kristen Hange. So how did you get involved with that project? So the casting director of that project, Steve Vincent, and his oh. partner, Percy Sigmund And Steve Miguel. Vincent also did um, A Mouthful of Air, right? Correct, yeah. So he introduced me to the financier, Skip Clintworth, who needed a line producer just for a a movie to shoot in three and a half weeks or something crazy like Mm. that. And actually saying that this is like a mentor's podcast, I would say that was one of my very good decisions to take that job, even though it was a little crazy. I got introduced to to Kristen and Kristen's a, a very talented, energetic, and driven person and 100%. she she was you know I could like meet her and I could see like yes she is a director yeah. she she will be able to you know lead the charge here and you know I was convinced she'd be able to get the performances and we saw the movie similarly you know reading the script and then you know again people have different takes on it yeah um and so yeah I was introduced to to skip and time being at a at a premium I think I was the the best available, as they say. Yeah. And I had to, I was, I was doing, you know, two other post-production jobs that I had to bow out of respectfully. And those producers understood what I told them, the, the opportunity I had. And that sort of led me to actually Skip became the lead investor on um, Amy's first movie. Um, I, smile, I smile back. 
I smiled wow. back. That's right. Wow. And so, you know, one thing led to the next and it's sort of mm. built from there. But, you know, taking those chances has always been that ability to take a chance to not be afraid to fail. I think that that's something that, you know, I was lucky that my parents instilled that in me, you know, yeah. growing up. And I, I've had that reinforced through experience since. But oh. taking a chance and being okay with failing, not not That's for lack of trying. One. Sometimes you, you know. sometimes you try as hard as you can, and, and it certainly happened to me in in different scenarios in my life where you know sometimes it's just not good enough, and you pick yourself up and learn from it and do it again or do something different. Mm. Ooh, can, can you think of one particular that comes to mind? I don't need to retread any. <laughs> do of you know what? Let's not. Let's not. I, I don't want to like, drag anybody down. No, it's down a great. It's a great tip though for people to to understand because. Obviously, this industry is racked full of failures, quote unquote failures. And I feel like the less we're scared of them, the less we feel like it's not inevitable sometimes just happens. And like you said, pick yourself up, keep going or try something else. But either way, it's not it's not I guess, like you're saying, it's not important to ruminate on on them. Exactly. So in comparison, I'm curious, really, because, you know, you've been on public morals for a while, uh, billions, you went up from, you know, the whole hierarchy, if you, the ladder, if you will, the associate, the co-producer, the producer, the co-executive producer. Can you tell me a little bit about the difference between producing television and film? Well, for me, the difference has yeah. just been on a, on a scale okay. side that I've worked on independent films and, and micro-budget films. And then, you know, up to Solitary Man was a $14 million film. So that was a sizable yeah. movie. Um, but the, you know, the television shows have been much bigger and have, film is a very singular experience in that you do everything once. You do, you raise the money, you do the casting. Mm, yeah. You start prep, you shoot, then you edit, then you finish it. Then you go premiere it and sell it and mm. and move on. Whereas television, you are prepping an episode, shooting an episode, editing an episode, mm. and it just keeps happening and it keeps rolling through. And so there's constantly something being prepped, constantly something being shot, and most of the time multiple episodes, you know, editing and finishing. Right. And so, yeah, the, the difference being there, again, the the producing element is really broken down into like a number of different roles right. and what I landed on later in, in the latter seasons of billions has been you know being on the onset creative which is mm. which has been a lot of oh, can a you tell us fun a and, little bit about that like what are the responsibilities of that of being an onset creative you know the the I laugh with Brian and David about it but it, ultimately it's just like make sure it's good that's that's yeah ultimately just the the one the one sentence definition of of my job and to make sure it good also entails you know like reading scripts and revisions ahead of time doing our pre-production meetings as we go and as as we're shooting and stepping out to do that um making sure that i'm prepared myself every day you know which what does prep look like for you i mean Prep for me is uh, it's it's really making sure that I have a like a firm and coherent understanding of the script mm -hmm. and and what it is and we use a lot of references so knowing what those references are mm. knowing the actors and what their questions might be 
pursuing um, them, yeah. Having relationships with the actors over the years and over the season and over episodes so that they feel comfortable to come and, you know, be vulnerable and, and ask questions mm-hmm. and and not feel like they need to project, you know, infallibility, but, you know, can come and, and talk about things. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I try to make it, I try to be very honest with them in a quid pro quo of, you know, sometimes I don't know. I was like, oh, that's a good yeah. question. I don't know. Yeah. And we'll talk about it and to try to work our way through it. And ultimately I will go to the, the writer of the episode to Schachter, the, the head writer or to Brian and David with questions and, and work it through. And, and, you know, sometimes there, most of the time, those questions, there's no black and white answer for it. Sometimes there is, sometimes I'm just wrong, but you know, a lot of the time it, there's sort of gray areas and it's interesting and, We'll just sort of we'll work through it and, and work with the director, of course, particularly, you know, on on the day, you know, that's the director's set. Yeah. And with the actors and I'll talk to the director sometimes before the scene or after the rehearsal or even as we're going through and something might, you know, occur to us. Say like, oh, that actor just did something different there. That's really interesting. But that kind of changes what we're doing here. Mm. We'll have to just sort of stop for a beat and talk Readjust. it through and then, you know, make sure that we've we've shot what we what we've determined is, you know, the the correct interpretation or our okay. our yeah. best interpretation of the scene. And sort of going sure that... back to what you said of making it good. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Oh, amazing. And then how involved are you? if at all, in the casting or like seeing the guest stars and the co-stars, their tapes beforehand, or, you know, we just show that, that is not part of my purview on Billions. Yeah. You know, fair. Sometimes I will see things. Sometimes there'll be an actor I've worked with mm. before that someone will ask me about, you know, like, what's this person like? Yeah. You know, um, follow the no assholes policy. It's a great pretty one. Strictly. It's a great one. And more and more uh, people. that makes things easier. Yeah. 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 So sometimes that's just the vetting. Is, is this person an asshole? It's so great. Like, oh, great, great person. Let's get great. it done. That's a great. That's all we need. We just needed someone to verify that and validate it. Yeah. Excellent. And then, you know, like when you're in the middle of the season and everything's just rolling at you all at once, once in a while, there'll be a guest star who, who would like, I'll see their name on the call sheet and be like, oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Coming. That's great. Really? Fantastic. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And I'll have no idea. Um, then so we were shooting Super Pumped in LA, concurrent with business with mm. Billions this fall, and yeah. Carrie Boucher, who I've worked with a bunch on, on Eddie's movies, uh, on on Public Morals, she was on on Billions, um, and I went out there to uh, to to go out for a mouthful of air premiere and, and do a couple of days on that set, and Carrie was is one of the, one of the leads there and and. She knew that I was a producer on the show, but we've been texting. I was like, it's not going to be in New York doing billions, but, you know, look forward to, to seeing in the dailies. All the COVID protocols, you know, everybody's there for rehearsal, but wearing masks on set. And so I was able to sneak up right into her face ah. and, and re- reveal myself, which was, that was, that was great fun. I got a, I got a great, ah. a great some, hug from her there. Some nice moments because of the masks. There's a little bit of a, uh... It's very you know. few, but yes. One of my, my penultimate questions. So have you done anything in LA? You were talking about flying to LA for the premiere and how do you, how is it 
producing consistently like you are in New York? Because, you know, it's the second biggest market when it comes to all this stuff. So there's a lot going on. I imagine there are pros and cons, right? It's a, in general, like, do you feel like because it's a smaller market than LA that everyone seems to know each other, the networks kind of stay with any, you know, people tend to work with the same people. And so everyone kind of knows each other. Like, what do you feel like are some pros and cons of, of staying here and working in the business here? Um, I don't have any desire to, um, to move anywhere to, to work. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy New York. I enjoy that when you step off set that you're in, you know, a, a big international city, that's not necessarily entertainment driven. Mm. I mean, it's jammed with entertainment. There's right. Oh yeah. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, I think a, a lot of citizens are getting tired of all the, the shooting. I know. Um, but uh, it's generally welcoming and, and a great place to work. And Yes, there are there are crews that continually work, and I'm not against working out of town at all. I, I you know, it's the I right opportunity. En- yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I quite enjoy you know traveling in general and and for work. But it's you know it's it's been a good place, and there's lots of different things going on. I find Los Angeles is very entertainment driven, and the conversations don't stop. And I yes, need to I feel the walk same away from it at the end of the day, most It's days. nice to have other people here who are not in entertainment to balance it all out. I think that's one of the reasons why I don't really want to go to LA personally, at least right now is yeah. Is that is that there's just everyone there is no someone or is in it. Their neighbors are in it. Their families are in it. Their pets are in it. I just feel like it's consistently the conversation. Yeah, I agree. And I enjoy you know, all the different walks of life there are in New York and including the entertainment ones. Yeah. I'm biased too, though, because I'm born and raised here. So yeah, there you go. it happens. All right. Last question. This has been amazing. I always like to ask my mentors at the end, what is your definition of success? Oh, I, you know, I don't know about the overall uh, definition, but certainly, you know, on a day-to-day basis, if I've, you know, enjoyed my work for the day and, you know, got something out of it. I like doing hard things. So Mm. I enjoy the job because it is hard and coming through and and not necessarily having a perfect day is, is success. I think, Mm. you know, getting through and and feeling good about what you're able to do and for better or for worse. And I'll use a sporting analogy, being able to leave it all out on the field that, you know, that, that was the best I could do today. And you know, I get, I get to go back and do it tomorrow. I love that answer. And I love how specific it is that people can check in with themselves at the end of the day. It's like concrete advice or tip that you can be like, Hey, at the end of the day, how did you feel? That's, that's a measure of success. I love that. I, you know, I, I regularly take an, an Uber to and from work. And, you know, the first, first thing generally of like sitting down in the back of the Uber mm. is, the big exhale, it may take me, you know, the whole ride home or longer to sort of like break down the day, what went on, Decompress. you know, reply to emails, everything that I, I can do before I can decompress and, and take stock of the day. And sometimes I can, I can sit in the back and just like exhale and smile and like, okay, that went well, feel good. And then immediately move on to like, you know what? It's not too late. I could probably sneak out for dinner tonight. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll go the- text someone and see if, see if anybody's up for anything. Maybe just go get a couple quick beers. Easy. But those it's, are, those know, are good it's, it's days. Nice those are good days. And, and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you look at the time and it's like, all right, I got to be back soon. Yeah. I'm going to go home and pour a glass of wine. Yeah. Unwind and, and get a good night's sleep because, exactly. you know, you I'm going to look forward to doing it again. Yeah. Excellent. And anything else you're working on now? Any, I mean, obviously Billions is huge, right? So that's taking up a lot of time, but any like upcoming films that you're kind of in the beginnings of that you're excited about? You don't have to talk about what they are, but just. Yeah, there are, there's, um, there's things in, in development. Um, nice. And I wouldn't say that anything is, nothing is ready to, to shoot. There's yeah. nothing, nothing's ready to, to, to really go out just yet, but you know, it's, it's nice to have a bit of downtime here and, and to get to, to spend a little time in development. Yeah. And kind of like what you said before, not putting all your eggs in one basket and being able to juggle and kind of put forth the beginnings of new projects. Exactly. And, and also, you know, I've got a little downtime, so I'm going to enjoy the, the city and, and yeah. the things outside of the business a little bit. Good. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mike, so much. This has been absolutely wonderful and such a joy to talk to you. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your experience and talking to me about all of it. Well, thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't yet, do me a favor, drop a five-star review, follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, and find me on Instagram. I'm at at Michelle Simone Miller and at Mentors on the Mic. Share this in your stories. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend, and I'll see you next time.